And I want you to see where, if you had, as I'm getting this, if you had to guess what city is, is appealing to the city council to build the tallest skyscraper in the country, where would that be? You know, something we've talked about before, it's sequence. So if you are waiting on cabinets to come in, say you were, you tear out your old cabinets, you know, that does give you the opportunity to move plumbing around or uh, move lighting around, you know, things like that to kind of adapt to that space. Cause now you could kind of do anything, right? You're, you're not specific to what the old cabinets used to be. You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. All right. Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. I'm Ashton Hines, half of the Real Estate Heavyweights. I'm with my good friend, mentor, and uh, a guy that's just taught me a lot about the real estate industry in the last year, Tavis Westbrook. What's going on, Tavis? What up? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well. You um, freshly off the gym, Tavis. (laughs) It's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. I need to, you know, been trying to get back into it for a while. You know, before COVID hit, I was doing actually really well and wrote it all the way up until they closed the gym doors, you know. So Mm. um, and then, of course, like many other people, you know, COVID became the excuse um, of just disrupted my uh yeah my lifestyle there for a while so anyways it's been a long time coming to to yeah. get back into a routine so it's going good shout out to my 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 buddy james lysing he's uh he's been my accountability partner and uh you know been back in it as well again you know him and i were both working out together back in 2020 so we both let it That's become awesome. an excuse <laughs> so yeah I have good. this client I'm working with now that is uh really he's into jujitsu and I did jujitsu for a while when we were in Louisiana and I just really love it. I'm I'm really uh wanting to get back into that. So he's nice. his talking about it and um it's such such a great workout and it's really good for flexibility and the older you get, you know, the more flexible you can get and just core strength. So I think I may try that out. I don't know. I may get in there and, um, you know, tear a, tear a ligament in the first week or something and decide that's probably <laughs> hey, not a good idea. Don't, but, don't talk that, you know, you know. <laughs> we, we've, we've yeah. done this before on the show. We know if we talk it into an existence, it's going to happen. So don't talk about bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't want, I don't want bad things to happen for sure. So <laughs> I'm, I need to get out and get more, we don't get more active. Like we used to. I've, no, I've I've gotten sick twice in a row. And so I'm like sort of taking stock of this whole, you know, what's going on? What do I need to do to just be healthier? You know, you go from having COVID to the flu in a month period. And it's just like, man, I, I gotta I gotta do better. So anyway, trying to get trying to get active out there. And uh it's funny because one of the articles we're gonna talk about here in a little bit was talking about how they really see gyms as you know, with all the, the, the meds that are coming down and people losing weight, gyms are going to be a huge thing in the retail space. So maybe we'll touch on that a little bit, but first off, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of a market update. So 
we're in the DFW area and, you know, the market is similar in that, you know, shows depending is still about 10 to 13, depending on what county you're looking at. Percentage of uh, sale of asking, the original asking is around 95 to 96%. So a little bit low. People are still, you know, having to dip a little bit when things are originally listed. And that's actually great. I mean, 95 to 96%. I mean, when I got in the business, it was like you were doing really well if you could get 90% of your asking price, you know. So, you're having to drop it a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and that was normal, right? Like you negotiate 10%, you know, that was 20, over 20 years ago. So, you know, yeah, that's great. I mean, you could be, and, you know, and that, again, that's average, right? So that's, that's across the board, you know, that that's taken dated homes as well as updated homes and, and looking at that equation. So that 95, 96% would take it. Yeah, for sure. People are, you know, there's still a seller's market, so you don't have a ton of leverage whenever you find, you know, something that you want. And, you know, everything I'm reading, it just points to inventory. Everyone's pointing at the inventory. There's just such a lack of inventory and months of supply. You know, our months of supply is two to two and a half, depending on the area you're in. And it's very, very low. And yeah. there's just not a lot to choose from. So, you know, if you're in the market out there looking. What are you seeing on average sales price? Um, let's see. I think it was 440, but okay. I I didn't pull that specific statistic this morning. I don't know if I can get it immediately. This is as sales price average. Let's see. Right now in Collin County, we're at 476. Denton's 460. The entire MLS is 365. Got it. So, you know, I know for a while they were saying 440 was the number. You know, we live in a little so bit of a higher end part of town, yeah. so 476 in Collin, yeah. Wow. And that that's fairly flat if you're looking over, you know, a 12 month period, fairly flat. It looks like in January of last year it was well, it's gone up some. It's well, 503. There we go. 503 last January we're at 476. So we have dipped a little bit year over year. A lot of it has to do uh, whenever you're on the retail side, I have a client right now looking for a really specific house. He's wanting to do a midterm rental. It, we put in the parameters and there was literally zero houses <laughs> available for, you know, this size, this price, this area. I mean, it was a pretty big geographic area too. And yeah. so we're either going to have to be patient or sort of be more creative about what we're looking for. I know I had a client for a while looking for a specific neighborhood, Castle Hills, nothing was popping up there. So you know, I think this is the time where you have to, if you really need to find something, you have to sort of be open-minded about different areas and different amenities and, and that sort of thing. So is that kind of what you're seeing out there too? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, it's just, it, it's playing with MLS, just kind of, you know, play with different filters and things like that to get different things to pop up um, Yeah, as well. You know, I, I, I've learned, I mean, it's funny because I spent many years in a buyer's market and it used to be how how tight could you get your search engine to pull up the five best homes uh, because you used to type in in the buyer's market you used to type in a search engine and if you were too generic you'd come up with 100, 100 properties you know and so it was like oh yeah. no I'm not sending this to my client <laughs> how do I narrow this yeah. down you know to like five to 10 that we're going to show. We're not going to show 20 homes right right now, you know? Um, 
And so it was, I remember you, you really had to get creative on your search engine and really dialed in. And now it's the opposite. You almost have to like open it back up, you know, and, uh, you kind of unclick parameters to see what, see what you're getting. Uh, and some of that becomes lazy agents and stuff like that, that they're not, you know, selecting all the boxes and they're just throwing something on them. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I found yeah. it when I'm looking for houses for these investors, I'm going through having to cast a wide net, you know, three to over 1500 square feet, and they're just looking for cash flow. But, you know, but then I'm going through and I'm spending a lot of time looking at pictures and immediately filtering something out. Okay, yeah, that's already been redone. That's been re there's a certain subjective things about a house that you can tell immediately and say, look, this is not for us, but it may not show up in a description or, a, you know. Uh, there's not a has this house been rehabbed box yeah. you know so so there's there's certain things that does you know you, you still spend your time on there so yeah but overall the market you know our, our rates are holding steady around you know the seven percent range you know plus or minus depending on which program you're you're getting into and so as we get closer to the election you know that might <laughs> change a little bit uh you know a lot of the economists think that we're going to dip a little bit towards the end of this year that and and the fed inflation target rate is actually getting better that they think they're floating down a little bit and so things are looking decent um but there's it doesn't seem like the bottom's going to drop out of the rates it doesn't seem like there's going to be this huge crash in housing values so for a while it kind of is what it is and unfortunately for inventory is what it is means there's just not a lot out there for people that are looking um so it's just going to be a little bit of a challenge to, to find the right place. Yeah. Um, I sat in a, um, a discussion last week, uh, you know, last year's projection, this year's projection with uh, uh, local council for a title company. And um, um, I believe you you missed that, right? You didn't make that, that meeting last no. week. But, um, you know, one of the things they said is we can expect, you know, the idea of being back in the fives is – you know, it is a pipe dream, you know, we probably don't see that anytime soon. Um, but, uh, it's sixes and sevens, you know, and, and the stability, uh, for the market to survive and thrive and still move forward. Six and sevens is fine. Um, if we get back up in the eights and we start getting eights and, and, and up, then, you know, we start getting into trouble again. So, um, if we can maintain average uh, interest rates in the six and sevens, I, I think the economy and um, the overall, you know, healthiness of the real estate market will be fine. I mean, we, we said it forever when we were down in the twos and the threes and the fours, you know, this is unsustainable. It's not going to continue, you know, take advantage of why you can, you know, when the interest rates were so low. So it's just, you know, people get used to it. And, you know, again, what your buying power was then with the interest rate so low you had this crazy buying power. So it's taken a lot for people to kind of reset. And then of course, you know, values have continued to increase. So what their value could buy them for a $450,000 house two years ago when the interest rates were low is now less, you know, uh, of what, you know, what you're buying a $450,000 home for now is now a four hundred and you know $75,000 home or whatever you said the average was. So now that's increased and your buying power has decreased. So it's made it challenging for sure. And that's obviously plays a part of, you know, 
uh, inventory and speed and, you know, how many home sales are going, are, are, are going to happen. So anyways, yeah, definitely. And, and it leads towards, you know, I went yesterday and, and talked with some friends, have a really nice house. They've debated on selling, but I think they're going to end up spending, you know, close to a hundred, hundred fifty thousand $150,000 just to upgrade their house, you know, just to redo the kitchen, redo the, the master bath and closet and just make it something that they really enjoy living in for the next four, five, six years while their kids are still there. And then whenever they get to another life phase and they have less kids in the house and they can downsize, then it might, it might make sense to, you know, move somewhere else. So I think that's probably a lot of what is happening. People are tapping into their equity and doing that sort of thing. So, um, just out of curiosity, I like to do this every once in a while. I was looking at the MLS, the most expensive thing on our MLS right now is actually a house in Houston. It's a $49 million looks like an Italian estate and, uh, is beautiful. So if you, if you hit the lottery this week, Tavis, I know you're a big lottery guy. So, <laughs> um, if you hit the, if you hit the lottery this week, you might consider that house down in Houston. And just, just for math's sake, I put it into the mortgage calculator. That would be $294,000 a month. So that's, that would be your mortgage, <laughs> which, you know, you could, uh, you could probably swing that. So I always like to look and see, uh, there's another beautiful house on, uh, on this one might be more your speed. It's a $25 million house on Cedar Creek, which it's, it looks like a resort. You know, it's like, it's, it's three or four, three or four buildings and man, it's, it's beautiful. So, um, always, always interesting to see how the other half lives on our MLS. So, well, let's get into a little bit of news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention from Dallas, Texas, the flash apparently official. There's good news and bad news. This is a massive story. Who wouldn't publish it? Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So the the news item that, that stood out to me um, was this story that was talking about the um, there has been a permit pulled for the tallest skyscraper in the country. And so I'm going to send Tavis this. I didn't want to, I didn't want to spoil it for him. So I'm going to send it to him right now. And, <laughs> and I want you to see where, if you had, as I'm getting this, if you had to guess what city is, is appealing to the city council to build the tallest skyscraper in the country, where would that be? In all the U S all the U S and all the U S where would the tallest skyscraper go? I would, I mean, I would assume it would have to be New York City. New York has the the tallest one, one, the one center, or whatever it is. Yeah, the, uh, the one that the replaced World Trade the, Center one, the Twin or, Towers. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, so sh- we just got back from Chicago, had some beautiful, beautiful skyscrapers. I mean, unbelievable. We went on an architectural tour there. Great, Dallas. It really what? doesn't even compete. I think it's Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, it, no way. Exactly. Oklahoma do that with the tornadoes. Look, they they act like they've got this figured out. But yes, Oklahoma City. That that was part where my brain went, right? Is thinking through weather and like what parts of the country, you know, currently have tall buildings that sustain, you know, through through different types of weather. And uh, Oklahoma. Nineteen hundred. No, 1,907 feet tall, 100 feet taller than the one in New York, the uh, the one what? trade center uh, in, 
Yeah. And it, what's funny is the rendering, if you've been to Oklahoma City, you know, it's a fine town. They have Bricktown or whatever, and there's some taller buildings down there, but, you know, it's not. And that's cool. Yeah, we Yeah, but it's there. not any sort of skyline that you would say, wow, they've really got a lot going on here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it's right there next to that stadium. I think we... I think we stayed right there when, when Gage was in the hospital, you know, we stayed in a little hotel that was right in, you know, right in that little pocket right there near the boardwalk, near Bricktown. And I mean, it's, it's a cool little pocket, but it's definitely not, you know, New York city. <laughs> so, And I just don't know who is going to the city council. I don't, I don't know, man. Can you imagine, I mean, living in that and then a tornado <laughs> warning comes and, you know, or, I mean, I guess even not, and not necessarily if you live in it, I mean, if you work in it, but still, I, man, I don't, how could they ever get that approved with the tornadoes in Oklahoma? Well, I know when we were in Chicago, the, uh, you know, several of the, the taller buildings, actually the, the brand new one that they just did. And I think one that they did in the last few years, they have these water tanks at the top of the building that counteract the wind. Yep. And uh, actually, the the latest one that we saw go up had several floors towards the top hollowed out that would allow the wind to, allow the to wind go wind through. To go so through. they have these mechanisms yeah. to help counterbalance the the building during high winds. But you know, Oklahoma City is a is a, a different ball game. So anyway, I just thought that was hilarious. That uh, you know, of all the cities in all the country, you know, that you would expect a, a skyscraper to go up, much less now hold the record for the tallest one uh, would be Oklahoma City. So, OK, so uh, every week we kind of dive into a, a little real estate topic or a list of the, the top 24 things you can do to your home and blah, blah, blah. And so this week I, I wanted to touch on this. I was at a client uh consultation yesterday with some friends and like i said they're they're looking about uh, they're looking to maybe renovate and move in a few years when they're downsizing and so one of the things they're looking to do is renovate their bathroom and kitchen so i was talking through some of the things you can do you know they have a t an old tub and it's taking up a ton of room we talked about taking that out maybe making that a, a really nice walk-in shower area and then taking their current shower and and letting that be part of their, their closet just a few different space things but one of the main things they're looking at is, are the cabinets and they're trying to figure out can we salvage what we have do we need to get custom do we need to maybe look at doing the doors and you may or may not know this but tavis owned a cabinet company for a while and uh, several years ago i remember looking on instagram facebook and they would post these pictures of just amazing kitchens they were doing and a lot of them were kind of a modern feel but I had no idea a lot of the features and the hinges and all the things you can do with cabinets. And so, Tavis, why don't you walk us through a little bit? So my, my friends, they're thinking about replacing or doing doors. So, you know, when you're doing a rehab project, you know, what are some of the things you can consider is maybe when you just start over and maybe when you want to go ahead and just use what the bases you have and maybe use some doors and new hardware? I think, um, you know, it all depends on, I mean, budget obviously is a big driving factor. The other thing that's going to come into play is timing, uh, just depending on somebody's timing, because anything that has to be built, um, you know, has to be fabricated. Even, um, you know, a pre-finished cabinet, for instance, is uh, time consuming. And I say pre-finished cabinet mainly because they... They come in certain specifics, so you would figure out how many boxes you have. So a box would come in, 
you know, 12 inches wide, 18 inches wide, 24, 30, 36, you know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, somebody would come out and measure and then they would figure out how many boxes and then put it together. It still could be like a two week lead time. Um, in the custom world, whether it's, you know, building, you know, new boxes or, you know, new bases and new doors and everything else, you can get a little bit more creative on use of space, but it's going to take time. And even if somebody tells you it's two weeks, it might end up being four weeks. So the, the issue that you, that you have is, you know, something we've talked about before it's sequence. So if you are waiting on cabinets to come in, say you were, you tear out your old cabinets, you know, that does give you the opportunity to move plumbing around or, uh, move lighting around, you know, things like that to kind of adapt to that space. Cause now you could kind of do anything, right? You're, you're, you're not specific to what the old cabinets used to be. Um, but you now have a timing issue of waiting on the cabinets to be installed before you can, you know, template your countertops. Right. Uh, and so there's a process there. And if it's a site finish cabinet, which means that it's going to come in in raw form, whether it's paint grade or stain grade cabinet, then the painter has to come in and prep and paint that, right? Uh, the benefit of a pre-finished cabinet is obviously it's already pre-finished and that can come in after the wall paint and everything else has been done. And then that would come in, then you would wait on the countertops. So really it's kind of just a process of knowing the sequence and knowing what you're up against. My go-to typically with a flip is I always try to keep the cabinets if I can. And if the cabinet doors are just absolutely ugly, you know, and, and they just don't fit the style at all, then I might go ahead and look at just changing the doors and the drawers. The benefit of doing that is it's not delaying me on time to get the countertops templated. So I can get that process going. So I talked about it in this Wiley home that I'm doing. I kept all the cabinets. I actually was able to keep the doors as well. But, you know, these were builder grade cabinets that were put in. They were basically, you know, prefabbed. Uh, well, I think maybe the upstairs cabinets were painted, but essentially they were they were pre-finished offsite, um, had pre-finished interior cabinets that were done. You know, this is a production build in 2002. And um, so we're able to actually keep all the pre-finished interiors that looks nice and then just tape that off and then just paint over the stain grade material on the exterior and um and prep all that and paint it but part of the reason i've been able to move fast on this job is right at demo phase i knew i was keeping the cabinets and so i just got the guys in there to to template the countertops and we were able to get countertops installed before paint even started and so you know that's a big thing right you you've got to kind of look at those pieces so it's hard it's a hard simple question to answer because it's more involved in kind of the overall project and timing and budget and expense and but uh like you've done before you just changed out the doors now mind you you know when you decided to change the doors it was kind of late in the game typically you would make that decision before paint yeah but if you're just changing doors and drawers you can do that up front you can pull it out you can get the countertops templated and then before paint starts you know you have the new doors and drawers fabricated and that typically might take a week you know yeah. week week and a half lead time to get all those doors and drawers fabricated and installed the benefit of doing that is you can get rid of the old exposed uh, hinges you know that were typically done on 70s yep. and 80s homes 
and uh, go with the Euro style, the hidden hinges and stuff. And it looks much cleaner. They operate well. Mm-hmm. That You can do the slow close features, all that cool stuff. So Yeah, that's what I was telling them last night. You know, they have the exposed hinges and, you know, that's drilled into the, the front mm-hmm. facing part of the, the cabinet. And those European uh, hinges are actually drilled into the inside wall there. And so you have fresh wood. And then, like you said, you can get that soft close feel. You could build a, a shaker type door that's a little bit wider. It's going to cover up, you know, they'll sand and fill all those holes, but it would look super clean and you're, you're keeping the same bases. Mm-hmm. And so to me, if you, if you don't hate the overall layout of the, the, you know, bathroom itself, you could go ahead and do that. Now, the problem with theirs was it was, it was a multi-level yeah. countertop where they had a slightly higher and then it t- dropped down and comes back up. And so, you know, if you don't want to keep that, then all right, now you're having to do some custom work in the middle or, yeah. you know, fill in that sort of thing <coughs> and, and having to take all that into account. So talk a little bit about finishes, you know, typically your cabinets, you want them to be pretty durable. You want to be able to wipe down a little bit. They're going to be in in areas where it's wet, slightly damp, kitchens, bathrooms. And so what what's the, uh, I know you've mentioned it's a type of an enamel finish typically. It's not an oil finish, but it's a, it's a latex enamel. I, I'm not a fan of the latex product. I mean, if you're in California and okay. things like that, you've got to kind of stick with the VOC and latex type enamel products that are out there because of their EPA regulations. You know, typically with us, we're still doing an oil-based enamel. Um, so, you know, I, it, okay. because it dries harder, it's harder to scratch. It's, it's you know, now typically with oil-based, it doesn't necessarily, you know, scratch or peel, but it, it can chip, you know, it, it because it, it dries like a, mm. a hard coating, if you will. I like the satin finish too versus like semi-gloss or, you know, that kind of thing. I like just kind of more of that that satin sheen it's got a little bit of you know reflection to it but not a lot and it just has a softer feel especially on older trim work like older trim doors you know cabinets things like that i think the satin has just a really nice finish to it anything that you want you go into semi-gloss or gloss it's going to show any imperfection because of the way that the light hits the wood right Uh, so that's something Mm -hmm. to keep in mind you know stepping back just a second you mentioned the multi-level countertops so it might be a little tricky. I mean, sometimes, you know, most women are are in the five foot range, right? So a lot of times the smaller basin, you know, which would be at a 30 inch counter height typically, and then your countertop sits on top and then your, your, your comfort height or your, you know, you know, not to be sexist, but the men's, you know, vanity space typically is higher. And that would be at 34 and a half inches and then your countertop, right? And so now what you're seeing in most designs trends in today's market is most people are just going with the standard 34 and a half inch countertop to keep it higher at both levels to keep it clean. But one thing that you can do, and you might've noticed this in some of my projects that we kept the old vanity was we just added a uh, above mount sink. And so, you know, it, mm. rectangle clean, nothing super crazy, but kind of like a semi vessel sink. And if you go with something that's only like four inches tall, the benefit of that is that your countertop still stays at like 30 inches, but then your sink level, and if you get the one that has a sink with Mm. a faucet on top, then it's at 36. So you're not bending way over to like wash your hands or brush your teeth. Right. Um, And so that's kind of a cool feature and it it looks custom and it has, 
um, some variance in it because it's not, you know, because it stands up above the countertop. So it's kind of got that hotel feel to it. Yeah. So that's a nice little trick you can do versus replacing the cabinet sometimes is you can keep that lower cabinet and then just add a taller sink. Um, so anyways, a little, yeah, little trick of the great. trade. That's a great uh, idea. Finish wise, uh, again, we talked about it a little bit a, a few seconds ago. You have, you know, your pre-finished product out there that can, the benefit of a pre-finished product is that it can come in after paint. And um, so you could pretty much get all your stuff done and get everything painted and then bring that cabinet in kind of towards the final when you're doing like flooring and stuff like that. And, you know, and hardware, you know, you can get that done and, and then get your countertops on it. That's usually just the you've got to finesse the lead time situation. So pre-finish, some of the pre-finish products are, are really good out there. Another product that, uh, you know, we've been exposed to, it's kind of new to Dallas within the last 10 years, but that's called a thermal bonded pre-finish laminate. And what that is, is that's basically like a skin that's put on top of like a pre-finished, you know, box, you know, plywood, Baltic birch type of plywood. And then you wrap the exteriors with these skins and it gives you a very Euro, very modern finish. And the nice thing with that is you get these textures and these embossed type feelings and textures that come with that product or the super high gloss stuff that you can't, it's very impossible to, to replicate that man-made wise. Right. So these machines have created this material on seven foot by nine foot sheets, and then they're fabricated like granite would be or countertop, you know, material quartz, et cetera. And then they're wrapped with edge bands and, you know, that's all put on your cabinet materials and it creates a super clean modern look with very small minimum gaps. And there's a, you know, plethora of different, you know, different color choices and things like that that are out there. Now that's going to be your most expensive option to go is, is something in that, in that realm because the quality and the durability of that stuff is like primo. In fact, you've seen it out at my lake, uh, out of my dock. Now that yeah. was a, uh, non-waterproof core material that was obviously intended to go interior of homes. And we have this outside in the elements, but yeah. now they have come out with a waterproof core interior. So I have already bought the materials for that to be used out there. And, and the, and the plan is to, uh, swap all out on all of my exterior skins of my cabinets out at, out at the lake to this, uh, waterproof core material. Again, it's expensive. It's yeah. not cheap. It's, uh, anywhere from 250 to $300 a sheet, you know, just for these, j- just mm-hmm. for the material. And then of course you've got to fabricate it and it, it is built around these boxes and everything else. So, so that's, yeah, kind of talking pre-finish in that world. And then the most common thing that we see a lot is the site finish cabinet, right? So this is what you, you show up and it's usually made with a combination of either like popular or birch type wood, um, and MDF. All right. So the benefit of MDF is it's super smooth. There's no grain to it. So if, if you're doing a paint finish cabinet, so let's say you're doing a shaker cabinet, a lot of times the exterior part of the uh, door is going to be made with some kind of hardwood, like, you know, popular birch, et cetera. And then the interior panel of that might be MDF. And so anyways, mm-hmm. that's your site finish type product at paint grade. Uh, and then the interior boxes of that can either be MDF or, you know, or particle board or, you know, plywood. 
right? Plywood obviously is going to be much more durable, yeah. much more long lasting. It's going to be much more durable if you have a water leak. Particle board obviously isn't going to hold up very well to water leaks. If you've ever flipped the house, you've seen damage in cabinets from yeah. water, right? It happens. So, you know, that's kind of where you start. And, and, and a lot of people get turned off by the idea of custom, right? They're like run away, like, oh no, this is going to be expensive if we're doing custom cabinets. But really it's not, it's not horrible. And again, if it's, it's raw cabinets that are being put in and then your painters paint them, um, you know, it's, it's not, not crazy. It's not as crazy as some people think. Yeah. The benefit of custom is that you can adapt to the space that you're given. And again, you can be creative on, do I want a drawer here? Do I want a door here? You know, what do I want as far as the functionality goes? In the prefab world, you're very limited sometimes. And what I get frustrated about the prefab is once it's finished out, sometimes there's gaps in the trim, there's gaps in the toe kick, the ceiling may not be straight, the wall may not be straight, the floors may not be completely level, and you're fixed with a cabinet that's pretty rigid, that's pre-built off-site, that's made out of a box, and you know it may not adapt to the yep. space very well. So then you're left with some imperfections there versus custom building it to fit the space. And then you get into stain yeah. grade stuff, right? So stain grade is going to be you know, any of your expensive type woods, your, you know, your white oak, your rift cut white oak, your maples, you know, walnut, you know, all of that kind of stuff. The majority of that stuff is going to be a veneer. Um, and the reason I tell people that is if you were to build it out of solid wood, you know, most solid wood strips only come in 12 inch planks. So if you have a door that's 24 inches, it's going to be two pieces of solid wood glued together and it can be done, but sometimes the durability of that long term with moisture, with the expansion contraction and the air and things like that, humidity, you know, all those things can change and, and your doors can actually warp on you working with a true solid piece of wood that's been glued together versus working with something that's a veneer, whether it's an MDF core or it's a plywood core. Um, that's going to be a lot more rigid and sturdy, and it's not going to have that flexibility over time. You're not going to have issues with it. So uh, again, going back to that Diceman house that we did, that was done with all walnut veneer. We did that house seven years ago, and uh, it's on the market now, and the cabinets look absolutely flawless. They look perfect. With that house, we did a lot of really cool, fancy stuff that had like um, what you call servo drive, where it's like an electronic lift up um, touch button sensor where you touch the cabinet and it literally will open up and fold up for you. And then you hit a little button and it'll shut automatically for you and slow close. <laughs> so like kind of overkill, right? That's but cool. I mean, definitely worth showing off to your friends when you're trying to get in the cabinets, you know, you just kind of yeah. touch it and it opens up for you and you know, it'll soft close back in position. So, um, you know, you've got to think ahead. You got to put outlets in. You got to make sure you have a source of power. You know, a lot of things that go into mm -hmm. uh, the sequence when you when you start getting fancy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, before this episode, well, really, we we had some technical difficulties. I'm hoping we're able to piece all this together, and you don't even know it. But um, <laughs> I'm not happy with our software. But halfway through, we got cut off. We're having to start over. I'm revamp. I'm like, look, Travis, do you think you could just talk for five or ten minutes about cabinets? And, and here we go. Like Tavis can just, you give him a part of the, the building process. 
he'll just run with it. And we didn't even talk about all that. Like I have a few videos about some cool features on how to wrap some of the interior drawers around plumbing. And, and then you have some really cool corner uh, pieces that you can do to really fit some pots and pans and, you know, things in corners of cabinets. And Tavis uh, has a lot of dividers for his different lids and pots and pans. Everything has a, a place in his cabinet. So he didn't even get started on that whole world. So that <laughs> might be part two of cabinets, uh, cabinets 101 with Tavis, but I knew he could talk about it. He, he owned the company for a while. And so the, the bottom line is if, if, you know, cabinets are something that you've, you've thought about redoing. Don't let it intimidate you. You can start every, anything from just repainting them and putting new hardware on. Uh, we had some friends do that recently. They just fill all the old holes, repaint, put new hardware. looks great. Then you can change out the doors and drawers. Then you can go to a completely custom. And from there you can do the super high end stuff, which Tavis has awesome videos about where you're pushing the button and it's, it's serving up a cup of coffee in the process and it's got lights and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, it, they, they, you can spend as much money as you want on those, uh, cabinets. So, well, that's really cool. Well, if you have not yet done this, please share this podcast with a friend say you've you've never heard two guys talk so in depth about cabinets on a whim <laughs> and send them to uh, send it to your friend like and subscribe the podcast we we are over 30 at this point and uh, for whatever reason number 30 and 31 have proven to be more difficult from a technical standpoint and I will be <laughs> tracking that now <laughs> I'm dying uh, tracking out the the uh, the technical issues and the little the little demons that are living in the computer today and yesterday, I'm not sure what's going on. So, uh, but we have we have crossed over the 30 barrier. We're super happy about that. So, like, subscribe, find me on Instagram, Dallas Real Estate Guy. Find Tavis. That's uh, Travis without the R. Tavis Westbrook. Tavis Westbrook Designs. If you need any sort of uh, design work, full blueprints, full plans, anything like that, he can do that for you. And of course, if you're a realtor out there and you have a house that you need to sell, that you do not uh, you have any luck on the MLS or it's just an off-market deal to begin with, you don't want to mess with the MLS, call Tavis up. He's out there looking. He's looking to do something. I'm looking for a new flip. And so um, please reach out. We'd love to work with you. Until then, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Later. Later.